A house divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln quoted this, this scripture. As he looked at the ravages of, of the Civil War, at a country ripped in two and battling against itself, and, and he as, as president, as the one who's, who's supposed to be leading this and, and is seeing the, the country turning on itself and, and, and tearing each other apart, this, this war that, that history tells us turned brother against brother as they fought to kill each other for, for these opposing ideas, Abraham Lincoln looks and, and calls upon Scripture to say, a house divided against itself cannot stand. As, as we look today, as we continue our, our walk through Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we see that this is, this is the first major thing that he, he comes to. It's to this idea of, of a house divided against itself. And, and I think as, as we reflect on our own lives, we see those divisions clearly. Oftentimes we, we see our divisions more clearly than we see the things that unite us. We look around at others and we see how, how their life is different, how their ideology is different. Sometimes even how they look different than me. And so we see that separation rather than those things that unite us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to look today at verses 10 through 17. Paul is dealing with, with some of these things within the life of the Corinthian church. That, that they, they, even as they come together as the church... There are, there are those tears of division that are happening. And Paul says this can't be. So let's look, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17, as we see Paul's call to unity, the divisions that he sees laying out, and, and what he sees as the answer to those divisions. So 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 10. says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say you were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. We, we've been walking through this letter to the Corinthians. We noted last week that, that 
as he started the letter, Paul was thanking God for this church, thanking God for, for the gifts that he had given this church, the, the gifts of, of, of speech and of wisdom, the gifts that, that he sees them displaying. He's thanking God that, that God has brought them together into one fellowship under his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now the first thing that he, he steps to and, and says, we need to address this. The, the first thing we see there in, in verse 10, Paul looks and sees that that fellowship into which they've been called is, is a little rocky. Verse 10, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no division among you, but you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Let's stop and, and look at that and, and break that down just a little bit. Paul starts with an appeal. I appeal to you, brothers. This is an urgent thing on his heart. This is something that he's crying out to them. It's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, I wanted to mention this. He says, I appeal to you. There's weight in this word that he uses as he's calling them to something. And even as he calls them, even as he's bringing them on the carpet and about to, to lay into them a little bit, he says, I appeal to you, brothers. Brothers and sisters, Paul is, is, is still speaking to family. He, he's, not, he's not bringing them out here so that he can rail at them because he's mad at them and he just really wants them to see them get theirs. He's calling them out because he loves them. And because he sees these things that are breaking them down and it breaks his heart. And so he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, as we're saying, that one foundation. He's, he's not appealing to them because he knows best. He's not appealing to them because of something that, that he's got to say, but because of Jesus Christ who bridges those gaps. Jesus Christ who gave himself up so that we could have life. It's on his behalf that Paul comes and says, brothers, sisters, I appeal to you, I beg you, I urge you, listen to me in this. And then his appeal comes in, in three little phrases there. That there be no division among you. But that you be united in the same mind and united in the same judgment. As Paul is looking at this church, as he is calling for unity, what he sees happening there is, is divisions. And, and he's, saying, he's saying this isn't right. That, that we come together and we have all these divisions these things that are that are tearing us apart we we're just saying the church is one foundation and that third verse the second line of the, thir the third verse well just third verse though with a scornful wonder men see her sore oppressed talking about the church they with a scornful wonder they're they're just delighted to see this thing happening by schisms rent asunder by heresies distressed. That word schisms is a weird word. We don't use that word very much. But that's the word that Paul uses here. When he talks about divisions, that, that Greek word is schemata, schisms. 
these things that tear us apart. It, it talks about, uh, about if you have a garment, there's, there's a rip, there's a tear in that garment. And this is what Paul sees in the church. It, it's, a, it's this body that's come together, this, this family that's come together, and yet in it, there are these rips. There are these tears. Even in those that are calling each other brother and sister. And so as he starts this appeal, as he, as he starts this plea to the Corinthians, he says, let there be no divisions, no schisms, no tears and rips among you. But be united with the same mind. Be united with the same judgment. Come together thinking the same things. Now let's stop and, and think about that because certainly as we are individuals, we think individually, right? And we have differences of opinions. And this kind of thing happens. And Paul is not, in, in saying being united in the same mind, he's not saying we don't get to have opinions anymore. What he is saying is, as we have opinions, let's come together and lay our opinions at the feet of Jesus Christ and see what is truth. Because we have opinions about all kinds of things. How do they weigh against the truth? We have opinions about all kinds of things. And as we come together, we have opinions about all kinds of things. Let's not let those opinions cause a tear in the family. This is what Paul is seeing here. And he's calling them to something better, something bigger. Not, not the tears, not the divisions. But to come together in the same mind that we're bringing our various opinions and we're weighing them against what is God's truth. And that that be the judgment. God's truth as the defining factor for, for what we call truth. People try and say, well, you know, there, there's true for you and true for me. Right for you, right for me. That kind of thing, right? And, and what happens when, when my truth says your truth is a lie? Can they both be true? Do we, do we get to do that? No, because truth is an absolute thing. Truth is that which relates to reality. And God has de defined that. And so our opinions, our truths are right all need to come and subject themselves to His truth. Paul goes on in verse 11 after, after calling them to, to have no divisions. He says that it's been reported to him. Chloe's people have come and said that, that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. Paul is seeing not just divisions, the, these tears, but also quarreling. Quarreling happens when, when those sides of the tears now start going back and trying to take down the other side. When, when, when the divisions are now forming ranks and fighting battles. And Paul says this, this is not the way we do things. There can't be any quarreling among you, my brothers. Yeah, we have differences of opinions. And we come together and we talk them through. And we submit him to Christ and we deal with it lovingly. We don't form battle lines and start fighting each other. 
and we see all kinds of divisions, all kinds of quarrels that, that come up, don't we? They, they can, we, we've all heard the stories of, of churches that split over the color of the new carpet that's going to go in. And, and we say, that's so ridiculous. Why, why, would, why would that ever happen? Or, or the churches that split because of, I, well, I like this kind of music and I like that kind of music and we can't get together on music and so we're just going to not be together anymore and we'll each get our own thing. We see those kinds of divisions in the church and, and, and we sometimes just shake our head. We see those kinds of divisions when we, when we talk uh, about leaders and about different ideas of theology and, and people attacking each other. We see those kinds of divisions in, in the people that we even hang out with. Or in the things that, that we will even uh, entertain and think about. If, if somebody comes in that looks different than us, how do we react? If somebody comes in that, that talks differently, how do we react? Do we start creating those divisions and, and get uncomfortable with it? And even as we talk about it, do, do we get uncomfortable thinking about that? And if so, that's okay. That's good. Let's see what God's doing with that and how, how he's calling us to reach out beyond what we're comfortable with. Paul's looking at a group, a group that he loves dearly, a group he spent a lot of time with. And he sees them coming apart at the seams. And it breaks his heart. And so he calls to them to, to be united again. Paul goes on to identify what, what sorts of, of divisions they've got. You know, they're, they're gathering around leaders. In verse 12, he says, What I mean is that each one of you is saying, Well, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. We've got all these, these different people there. And, and different people way smarter than I am have gone and, and tried to identify what would, what would the Paul group look like and what would the Apollos group look like and, and what would the, the Cephas group, Cephas is another name for Peter. What, what's, what's that group going to look like? And, and Okay, they can do that. But what I see is people are drawing their lines. I'm for this guy. I'm for that guy. No, I like it the way we used to do it with this guy. No, we're going to do this other thing. And they're starting to draw their battle lines. And rallying around the, these different leaders, these different teachers that, that have maybe been in the area or, or philosophies and, and they're, they're drawing up lines. And, and Paul distances himself from all of this. As, as, he, as he looks at that and sees different people claiming different leaders, Paul, Apollos, they're making their camps and doing all that. He's saying we are the body of Christ, right? Even as there's one group apparently that's trying to say, we're the Christ group. Okay, great. But aren't we all as a church called to be the body of Christ? And so is Christ divided into these different groups? 
Is Christ divided into the Apollos group and the Paul group? Is Christ divided into the traditional hymns group and, and the contemporary music group? Or into the black church group and the white church group? Is Christ divided? Obviously, Paul is saying, no. No, of course not. He goes on to, to equally crazy say, was Paul crucified for you? You know, if you're going to be the, the Paul group and you're going to follow me, was I the one crucified for you? Given that he's writing a letter, I'm going to go with no, probably not. And, and so Paul even goes so far as to say, I thank God I didn't baptize very many of you. That way you can't say, I was baptized into the name of Paul. Paul, Paul is really distancing himself from, from all the, the fighting and, and bickering and, and line drawing that's happening within the church and, and says, none of this is the way it's supposed to be. Paul distances himself from it. I thank God I, I baptized none of you except for these few people. Paul looks at it and says, there, there is an answer. There is an answer to, to this idea of, of all these different divisions, all these different groups and lines. There's an answer to, to the quarreling, to where we draw our, our lines and, and our lines become tears and our tears become battle lines. And, and when we start going at it, Paul says there's an answer and it's Jesus. Paul says that, that was the point from the beginning. In, in, his, in his playbook, it was real simple. Preach Christ. That's what I'm going to do. Verse 17, Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, Paul isn't demeaning baptism. Paul isn't saying that, that they shouldn't be baptized. He even said that he went in and he had baptized some of the early ones. And then he started bringing people around him and training them up. And so he's preaching the gospel and letting them baptize people. Because as, as people are following, as people are taking that step of faith, yes, I believe, they're, they're going ahead and doing that. They're saying that, yes, I'll, I'll be baptized so that everybody can see that I believe, that God has done something new, that he's given me life. I want everybody to see that. But Paul says the baptism's not the point. The point is the gospel. Life that we have in Jesus Christ and only in Him. That's the point. The baptism is, is a display of that. It's a demonstration. And that's excellent. And we should do that. But if that's causing people to, to draw battle lines and saying, okay, I'm, I'm under this teacher, I'm under that teacher, we're missing it. We're under Jesus. Even in the way Paul says it, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul's not even taking ownership for marching into Corinth and, and setting up in the synagogue and talking to people and, and being the man doing it. He says, I was sent. 
I, I was just on the mission from somebody bigger and better than me. Christ sent me. And I preached the gospel. Because that's the point. That is what unifies us. That is what holds us up and gives us life. And even as, as just a paragraph before, Paul had commended the Corinthians on, on the gift that they have in, in wisdom and in speech. He even now says he came to preach the gospel not with words of eloquent wisdom. I, I didn't come, Paul says, <clears throat> with this silver tongue to, to just make everything sound beautiful and, and convince you because of how smart I am that, that this is the way. Paul says, I, I didn't come laying things out just so and, and trying to, to convince you. I just came delivering the truth. It may not have sounded pretty. It may not have sounded eloquent. But it was right. It was the truth. I didn't come with words of eloquent wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul says that in the cross, in the sacrifice of Jesus, in, in the eternal Son of God, stepping out of heaven, leaving His glory, leaving His throne to step into the dust and messiness and pain of earth, of him living a life of perfect obedience. Something you and I and nobody else has ever been able to do. He lived in perfect obedience and he walked willingly into death. A death he did not deserve, but a death that cried out the rebellion of the people against him. And He did that on our behalf. He did that so that we could have life. He took on death so that we didn't have to. Paying the price for our sins. And then He didn't stay dead, but He rose again. He not only took death, but He defeated death so that He can give us life. Paul says, this is the true power. This is what life is. The power of the cross. That's what we're here for. Not to give nice speeches and to, to wow people with intellect. But because Jesus did something. And that means everything. Paul looks at, Paul looks at his beloved brothers and sisters in Corinth. He sees them doing what, what we are all prone to do. To highlight our differences and stand with those who are like us and, and berate those who are not like us. And this is within the body of Christ. And Paul says, no. It's not about what teacher. It's not about what thing. It's about Jesus. And He unites us. And because of what He has done, because of the infinite patience, the, the mercy, the faithfulness He has shown us. We can show just a little bit of patience and mercy to those around us, right? 
we can see those who think differently than we do and, and act differently, speak differently, look differently, like different kinds of music, whatever. And we can show them patience. We can show them mercy. We can show them love because Jesus has done that to us. And sometimes, where that difference is life and death, that love that we show just might be what God uses to draw them to life. Or we can sit behind our, our dividing lines and we can just tell everybody else how wrong they are and how unholy they are. And those dividing lines get further and they turn into battle lines. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you, Lord, for your truth. That we do not just get to make up what is right and wrong. I thank you, Lord, for the love that you've shown us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to to live in that tension. Knowing that that as we see, see things that by your truth are clearly wrong, we're not just going to overlook them, but Lord, we can respond lovingly. Help us to see how to do that, Lord. Help us to see how to, how to look in love to those around us. Help us to see what it is to have a love that, that doesn't just gloss over evil. A love that will call evil, evil. But will do so in a way that points to your faithfulness. Lord, may our lives reflect the unity that we have in you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Ushers, we-